all things in life that happen always happen in a better linear direction if you have a plan. Welcome to the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Each interview, we talk to leaders who differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. These conversations lead to thought-provoking idea sharing and growth accompanied by entertaining storytelling. Welcome along on our journey to lifelong learning, improved performance, and a look inside the competitive mindset. And welcome back to the competitive mindset, Ken Griffin of The Card Shop in Evansville. Ken, how are you? I'm doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me back on. It's been a while. Good to catch up. Yeah, it's fun to explore some of these areas in your life for health and wellness that you're you're taking on and challenging yourself with on a daily basis. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into some of the things we talked about last time. And one of them was you working on a breath hold. So can you start by telling us how you came up with that again, and then what your record is at right now? So originally, I set out a goal would have been during COVID. I was really scared to get COVID, honestly. And you know, I'd grown up with asthma. And I'd had some some allergy issues over the years um, to pet dander. So I'd always kind of be a wheezy kid anyway. And back when I was overweight, you know, I was always kind of out of breath. And I decided at one point a couple years back now that I was going to start competitive breath holding, which it, it's, it's a weird world that that's even a thing that exists. But I kind of set out I was going to do it. And 45 seconds was my first one. I was like, holy cow, I'm really in bad shape. You know, I'm going to get COVID and I'm going to end up, you know, super sick because my lungs are going to be all messed up because I can't even hold my breath for a minute. You know, I looked into like, what's the average for, you know, your average adult male, what can they do? And it was like a minute to a minute 15. I was like, well, I don't want to be average. You know, I'm not average in any other aspect of my life. You know, that's the way I try to live. So I set out that I'm going to do a two minute breath. And I pummeled at it and pummeled at it. You know, I used cold therapy because um, for some reason I can hold my breath better in cold, which is also mildly dangerous. So don't do that at home unless you have a buddy with you. That said, um, we, me and my friends that are all involved in this. We keep pushing each other. And I can tell you that this past month I hit 319. Um, I do wear a pulse ox while I do it to kind of monitor my uh, oxygen level in my blood uh, as we're going. And I can tell you, it got a little scary when I hit 319, my pulse ox was 50. Um, anything under 80, anything under 80 for a prolonged time can lead to brain damage. So I think seeing that somewhat got me to stop as well, which actually really frustrates me because it's, I wasn't having any symptoms other than a little bit of tunnel vision, but at three minutes, you know, everything kind of closes in on you. Um, but I went ahead and took my breath at 319 and was pretty accomplished at that. And it's an interesting uh, dichotomy now because now that I've hit it, much like I feared would happen, now I really want to do four minutes. And it's, it's I've set the bar now of I wanted to get to two, then I wanted to get to three, and now I want to get to the four minute. And it's very interesting because I'm sure you've probably seen these statistics of, you know, how long it took for um, a six minute mile to be recorded. And then once that happened, how many more people were able to do it once that occurred? You know, it's almost like this hierarchy of thinking of once something happens, people realize, oh, I can do that. Yeah, the realm of possibility is there. So then people have belief, right? Yeah. And I think that 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 pushes us, right? Like there's a world where knowing that someone else has done it makes you want to do it, or at least makes you feel like you're capable of doing it. Okay, there's 
some health things I want to dive into. But since we're at this point, that ability to be the first to do something, that drive, that desire, why do you why do you think that's a part of your life? Um, initially, you know, I would say growing up as a very lower middle class kid, um, not being super athletic, growing up in a uh, home without a dad, I never really was pushed in athletics at all. My mom didn't really take an interest in those things. So I never got to be first at anything. I was always, you know, one of the last picked because I was the fat kid, you know, when we played basketball or volleyball since I grew up in Florida. Um, and I think now that I've, you know, achieved a little bit of success in my business and I'm older, now I want to be number one in everything I do. And I figured out that this weird systematic way of doing things that if you want to be number one in any industry, it really comes down to you just have to outwork everybody. And it doesn't matter that when I was 13 years old, I was a fat kid. It doesn't matter that two years ago, I could only hold my breath for 45 seconds because I was out of shape. I've taken the last two years to get in the best shape of my life. I now can hold my breath for three minutes and 19 seconds. And it comes from this desire to just not be average. You know, and I think part of that too is part of my daily rituals. You know, I listen to at least 20 minutes a day of really positive um, YouTube stuff or podcast. And I think you almost become ingrained in that world of, I don't want to be common amongst the common people. I want to be uncommon amongst the uncommon. So it's like, I'm in an industry where there's tons of people who do what I do, but I am the number one seller on the app that I sell on right now. And to be the number one, I had to outwork everybody, you know, and I had to be able to schedule my time and, and figure out a way to have some semblance of a life while also outworking everybody because I never got to be number one in any other aspect. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about, about that transition with the card shop here, but I, I don't want to leave behind the health thing. So at the beginning of this, you, you were doing this for a health benefit. So to me, it's counterintuitive because oxygen is good for your body. So from your perspective and the information you had, why was achieving a breath hold going to benefit your health? So for me, it was more of if I ended up with any kind of pulmonary virus or illness if i could hold my breath for an extended period of time it did two things for me one if i was having some fears around getting the virus if i could hold my breath for a minute 30 i felt like there's no way i could have the virus so if i started having any kind of anxiety of like man i don't want to get sick or i'm scared i might have been around somebody who was sick well i'm going to hold my breath and if i can hold my breath for a minute 30 you know what my lungs are still pretty healthy no matter what's going on and even once i eventually did get sick you know, as most of us did at some point get COVID, I was still able to keep my breath holds and my pulse ox never went under 98 the entire time I had it. So I do think that breath training somewhat not only prepared my mind for when I get sick, that I know I have a little bit of a dispense mechanism because I'm trained for this. I'm ready. Again, if I was 400 pounds with COPD, I'd be a lot more afraid. But when I'm walking around at 240 at the time and can hold my breath for a couple minutes, it just felt like I was training my lungs for if it had to encounter danger. Right. And I don't know that that's really real. I don't know that that's scientific, but here's what I do know. When I did finally get sick, I was sick for six hours and I never missed a day of work. Well, and you mentioned in there the mental side of it. You were preparing yourself mentally to feel like whether yeah. it's tricking yourself or not, you had a defense me mechanism in place and the mind is a powerful being. So to be able to 
thrive and tell yourself something and believe in it, that's sometimes half, if not more, of the battle in accomplishing something, whatever it is in life, whether it's a breath breath hold or running a business. And, and it's it's intriguing to me because that obviously carries over into the business side of things. Would you agree? All things in life that happen always happen in a better linear direction if you have a plan. And, you know, at that time when the media was telling us basically, you know, hide in your house, the world's coming to an end, it caused a lot of anxiety for me. You know, I was really, really struggling. And I fell into the breath holds, the cold therapy, the cryo tanks, you know, getting sunlight every day. Like I fell into going very holistic as a way to prevent the fear and a way to shield my mind for when I eventually did get sick, because I kind of just come to a realization like, okay, everyone I know has had COVID but me, eventually I'm going to get it. So here's what I'm going to do. I can't prevent me, me from getting it at this point. I'm eventually going to catch it. But what I can do is have my vitamin levels all optimized. What I can do is have this breath hold thing that may or may not help, but for my mental state, it did. And I can do this cold exposure therapy which again, there's some pretty good research out there that cold exposure creates a, a an immune system response that's positive. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if any of it works if I think it works. Yes, there's absolutely something to that. And, and so you talked about the, the cold exposure. And last time we talked, we talked about the, the cold shower every day. So I'm curious if there's ever periods of time where you go away from it and you notice a difference or if it's such a part of your life that it will be there forever because you really feel the benefits. At this point, the streak is so long that I would feel physical pain. I think if I stop, um, there's no benefit to me to not doing it at this point. And it's really interesting. And this is going to sound super weird, but it's the truth. If I get in a cold shower and I do any of my breathing techniques, I do not feel the cold water. If I literally turn my back to the ice cold water and I'm doing these like Wim Hof-ish breathing techniques where I'm taking these huge inhalations and huge exhalations and I'm getting rid of as much carbon dioxide out of my lungs as I can doing these huge exhales, the water doesn't feel cold at all. I don't feel the water temperature at all at this point. It's really weird. And it's kind of like that for me in the cryo tanks too. Like if I go jump in the cryo tanks, you know, it's minus 200 degrees or whatever. I don't feel cold. Right. I'm never cold in the cryo tank. And that goes back to the mental strength and mental capacity for it. And I would liken it to this because we have both young kids of similar age. And when something happens, like they fall or something lands on them, it's not that they're hurt. It's that they're scared because something changed. And so for us to tr train our mind that, something changed, not that we're hurt. Because what does everybody say as soon as a kid falls, right? Are you okay? Well, yeah. they may not necessarily be injured. It's just that their their life shifted. The chair came out from underneath them or the branch broke, whatever it was. And that shocked their system. And people are so trained in their mind about injury and safety that if you can mentally shift that, you're not hurt. It's just something that surprised you. Yeah. And I can tell you from my experience, I don't like perception change for whatever reason. Um, even like sitting in a movie theater and the lights go down, it, it affects me weirdly. I don't care for it. I don't like when my environment changes. Um, and I think it's probably a control issue. You know, uh, that's why I think cold showers for me have been somewhat beneficial because I control that I turn that dial all the way to ice cold. I control when I get in, I control when I get out. You know, it's the same reason I don't like other people driving me. You know, I have a real big control thing. 
which I think has translated into, you know, somewhat beneficial success in business because I like to be where the buck stops. I want to be at the helm. But it also is a very rigid mentality of when you talk about taking a day off of cold showers, like I can't even imagine that that's a thing. Like it doesn't even enter my brain that that's even a possibility at this point. Yeah, it's not your daily occurrence. It's not your life world you're living in. No, it's completely foreign to me to even think that that it is an option. And it's interesting because like since my thinking is so very just, you know, very black and white is probably the best way of looking at it. It's like yes or no type things. I'm a person now who does three miles a day. I hike three miles a day, no matter what the weather is. And that's my other new thing I've taken on is every single day I put on my shoes. Even if I have to argue with the shoes, I put them on. And I've now done that for almost a year. And I don't intend to go back. Um, I think we're right at now like 10 months of daily three miles a day. Because I started extrapolating. If I do three miles a day, which doesn't seem like a lot. It did when I started. It actually seemed like a whole lot. Now it's nothing. If I do that for a year, how many miles is that at the end of the year? And then extrapolate that over my lifetime. If I stick to that, and in five years, I'm still doing it. Ten years, I'm still doing it. It creates such a linear change for me that it's so net beneficial versus not doing it. That small incremental change becomes vastly health improvement. So why is that different than the breath hold where you don't push it to four miles? You don't push it to five miles. Why does it stay at three? It's a really good question because I haven't even considered going beyond three. And I think part of it is at three, it's still kicking my butt. If three becomes too easy, then I probably will push push it, you know. And again, me being me, I've already got a lofty idea of, I've already mapped it out to go from Evansville, Indiana to Sarasota, Florida. It's 532 miles. I've thought about doing a 500-mile walk because I can. And I'm trying to figure out exactly how I can take off that much work. Well, that was my question to transition us. If you do that, who is yeah. going to run the card shop Evansville and all of the the breaks and everything that you're doing with the card shop? In all sincerity, my answer is I have no idea. Comma, I've thought about buying an RV, getting good internet put in it, and being able to still do breaks at night while I'm on the walk. Walk during the day and break at night and just have it be like, I'm the traveling breaker because it, it looks like I can do it in about 45 days if I clip it really hard. I mean, again, we're talking 532 miles, so we're talking a pretty good heft every day. Okay, so with that in mind, and, and people who don't understand what we're talking about, we're talking about trading cards, sports cards, memorabilia cards, and breaking. Can you lay that out for people exactly what it is again, and then we'll we'll transition from there with how your business model has shifted a little bit with the the uh, inception of the app? Yeah, absolutely. So I have owned baseball card shops um, since 1998. So I had the brick and mortar stores where you would go in and, you know, you'd have display cases full of cards, autographed jerseys, and boxes of cards for sale. Back in 2016, for example, a box of baseball cards would run you about 100 to 125 bucks. Uh, the industry has exploded. Just today, we were breaking football boxes, and I'll explain what breaking is in a moment, but we're breaking football boxes today that are $1,700 a box for one box of cards. And because the price has exploded so much and the resale value of these things has gone up so much, it also brings a level of demand. And I was not the originator of breaking, but I've been involved in breaking for some time now. And what breaking is, is essentially 
a ownership share of the spoils of a box. So we'll just pick football, for example. There are 32 football teams. Let's say a box is a thousand bucks. 32 people all buy a team in theory. And it costs you, let's say, 35 bucks. We do a randomizer and you get a random team in that break. Let's say you get the Patriots right now. All of the Patriots cards that are pulled out of that box up to the commons, all the way to the Mac Jones autographs, et cetera, will go to you if you own that team. So it's essentially a way of being able to be involved in the hobby, get in on these high-end products where you have big yield potential for a fraction of the cost. You can take a toothpick and turn it into a lumber yard. Right. So it gives you the ability, if you don't have a ton of financial resources, to, to be involved. And then on top of that, there's a community aspect that's built of it. Can you talk a little bit about the community you've built with the Card Shop Live? Absolutely. So we have an app called the Card Shop Live app. It's a free download. Um, it is taking on the big boys. You know, I'm not going to name our competition, but if you know anything about other app breakers, um, there's some really big players in the space. We are somewhat new to the space. We've been around for about three months. Uh, we got a little over 7,000 users right now, and the community is extremely strong. The breakers that they like on the app, um, they show up for every day. I do two shifts. I do a morning and afternoon shift, and then I do an evening shift. Sometimes those evening shifts go to two in the morning. Um, and you'll see a lot of the same names every single day buying in because our level of service is really, really high. We ship fast. Our prices are fair. And we do something that not a lot of people do is just we try to do breaks as low as like $25 buy-in all the way up to the $300 expensive buy-in. So to get in a space or get a team would be as much as 300 bucks. But one thing I'm willing to do is also we do this stuff that's like 25 bucks because most people who want to be in the hobby have a $25 bill. Not everybody can afford to spend 300 bucks on a team, especially if you missed. You know, you, you get a team that's not very good and you spent that much money, that can be really impactful. Whereas most people do have 25 bucks to take a shot. And the community we've built is really strong. I mean, we have running jokes. Uh, I can tell you, even today, I was dressed up in a Hulk uniform. So I had on a Hulk mask, you know, um, some days I'm the Flash, some days I'm Hulk Hogan, some days uh, I dress up as a pirate. And we can actually talk about that because I did the really cool thing of getting scurvy um about a year ago that was really neat um got a 19 or an 1800s disease for a minute that was a lot of fun so the uh the app though has been extremely fun in building the community we brought over about 10 percent of our facebook followers came over but they were the 10 percent that bought in all the time so i don't know that having thousands of followers matters if they're not all spending we brought over the majority of our spenders and then we've expanded even more i mean we have 900 followers on the app now for just our page you know there's multiple sellers on the platform but we are outselling everyone on the platform right now through sheer just almost manic like work ethic seven days a week every single day 12 hours a day i am in the seat ripping product for people so let's talk about that life balance with it a little bit because from the outside it appears to me that that has changed a bit from let's say a year ago when you could be ripping any time of day, it didn't matter, to now, like you said, you have shifts, right? Morning, afternoon, evening. So you have a little bit more set time. What has that done for your personal life to balance that out? It's helped in the regards to like my son now is in Little League and I'm the dad that can show up for every practice, every game. It's also helped in to allow the, the weird things I do, like the going on hikes every day. It gives me that time. 
does allow me to go jump in the cryo tank. It does allow me to go get into the isolation tank, which I don't think I mentioned earlier. I started doing ISO tanks a couple months ago too, um, which is a trip. Like that's a completely other animal. The, the isolation tank is life changing, and I think everybody should try it. What, what is but, an isolation tank? So an isolation tank is a float tank. You may have heard it called that before. Um, you essentially get in this pod. It's almost like an egg. And it's filled with salinated water to where your body floats. You turn the lights off if you're so inclined, which I do. And you pull the thing down. It's it's similar to a tanning bed look, but it seals. And there is no light emitted in. You can't really hear anything. You can't see anything. You can't feel anything because the salination of the water takes away your sense of touch. So you're fully isolated with nothing but your brain. And I can tell you the first time, I had to open the thing a couple times to make sure that like I wasn't trapped forever in this thing because I got a little I got a little scared, you know, it's a little <laughs> trippy. But I have fully laid there and you're in there for an hour usually or two hours, whatever you whatever you can stand. And uh my brain has created some crazy stuff, man. Like I've had, you know, colors will come into my visual field that aren't there. You know, it's almost like a psychedelic experience without having to actually induce drugs into your system. Um, it's a really good thing and I've found to go into it with a question so i'll come to it almost like i come to the pod with a issue i'm having in life and i just want to sit with it in a quiet space with no external forces pulling on me in any way and just work it out whatever it is you know it can be something as simple as who am i what do i want out of this life what am i doing right now that's that's not pushing me in the direction of where i want to go where are the, the red flags in my life or fires that need to be put out? And, you know, it's really trippy, man, because I don't even like to say it, but there was a day where I was in the pod. And uh, I think I may have brought this up last time we talked. I may not have. My family has a really bad history of suicide. Really bad. Uh, great grandfather, grandfather, father. And now uh, about a month ago, my sister, they've all taken their own lives. And I'm in the pod. And next thing you know, I hear my dad's voice and it was super trippy because like in my head, I had a whole conversation with him and he was just like, I just want you to know I'm good. I want you to not keep carrying the burden, but you've got to break the chain because you have a son now and you're the eldest male in the family now. And the way it's always gone in our family is the eldest male always kills himself. And it was super, super scary. And it was so real that I got out of the pod and was shaking. I was like, that was the most real metaphysical thing I've ever experienced. And I did not like it. Like it, it brought me some peace, but it was also like, I got a little too close to the light, you know, like, right. Like I'm not really enjoying this. Let's go back to holding our breath and walking a lot, playing with baseball cards because this is too close to, to home for me. Right. Right. But you've gone back in the isolation tank since. I have, I will tell you the first time back in though was a little bit of trepidation. You know, it was like, Holy cow. Can everybody just leave me alone? Like if anyone else is out there, I'm not interested. Right. Right. Yeah. And you just find things that work for you and then, and then obviously make adjustments as you go. So um, as we wrap up here, tell everybody where they can find to see you dressed up as a pirate, the Hulk, Hulk Hogan on, on uh, with the card shop live and also, you know, the card shop Evansville with everything you're doing. Where can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So the easiest thing you can do is on all socials. We're just the card shop Evansville. We do a lot of stuff on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok still. But our main breaking source now. If you want to be involved in this sports card hobby is to just go to your app store, download the card shop live. It costs nothing to download. You don't have to spend any money to come watch and see how it works. 
and there are multiple sellers on the platform. I'd love for you to check us out. We're under the card shop Evansville, but we're live every day, noon central. And then I come back at 6 p.m. central. Some days we literally go noon to 2 a.m. Other days we have a three hour break. It really just depends on what's working that day, what products are out and how, how many people are online. But we fill breaks every day. Today we've already done four and, it, and that was at two o'clock today. So we'll probably end up doing 10 for the day today. Oh, that's awesome. All right, let me get you out of here on a non-topic related question. If you could have one superhero power, what would it be? And what would you do with that superhero power? Ooh. Uh, invisibility so I can see what my competition is planning so that I can do a better job to take market share and be the biggest breaker in the world. That would take all the fun out of it. Nah, I just want to win. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I want to win. Uh, all right, Ken, thanks for joining and thanks for sharing and I hope to see you soon. Yes, sir. See you, Billy.